You're listening to the Building Stronger Agents podcast, where we interview the top solo agents, team leaders, and brokers across the country to see what makes them thrive in today's market and beyond. Welcome back, guys. Will Penny here, the Building Stronger Agents podcast. And today I'm fortunate enough to have Jonathan Tomko and Rachel Alley in Columbus, Ohio. And they've got a team, and today we're going to talk about what they did to get that team, how they've grown it, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well, so that you guys can learn. So without further ado, Rachel and Jonathan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank yeah, you. How are you guys Pleasure. doing today? How's the weather in Columbus? Cold February. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's get right into it. So how long have you guys been in the in the real estate business? Tell us about yourself, how you got in. Um, how big is your team? What kind of volume you guys do? Just let everybody know. So I was licensed in the, in 2015, started practicing in 2016. And then Rachel and I came together and we started building a team in the fall of 16, the last quarter. So from 2017 on millennium group has been, um, our livelihood. Excellent. And I got licensed in 2015 and I joined a team almost right away coming out of licensing school. And I, you know, you don't know anything. So there was an opportunity and I took it and I was on that team for about a year. And like Jonathan mentioned, we came together um, in 2016, end of 2016 and started Millennium Group and have been building the business ever since. That's fantastic. So um, you guys got in straight out of college then? No. So I had a career in healthcare IT consulting beforehand oh, all right. and that took me to different client sites around the country and it was on the road travel. So I was looking for an opportunity to really put down roots and build something of my own in the city that I intended to stay in. Yes. And for me, I learned sales in the insurance business for five years. And then I worked in healthcare finance and I learned a lot about small business Oh, and no. right. real estate was how we met and it was just something that um i feel like i wanted to do for me i felt like i could build a career faster than i could chase it at that point and took a chance and you've so. worked together ever since right yes right. good you've you've beat the odds just doing that alone <laughs> <laughs> it's like dog years right yeah they're right. like, how long have you been married? I think 20 years now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with how much time we've been together. So Yeah, we've been married 30 years. I met my wife in real estate. We actually worked apart at, at different brokerages for four years before okay. we started working together. together. Yeah. 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 I was at Remax and so was she. And then we went to two different Century 21 offices before I went over to hers. But we've been married Got for it. two years working at different brokerages. So well, that's okay. Sometimes it well. takes a different path. So what does your uh, what does your team look like? Tell us about the size. How many licensed agents? What does your admin staff look like? Yeah, so we have we are kind of a traditional model of a real estate team. So we have the listing side of the business and the buyer side of the business. On the listing side of the business, I am the lead listing agent. Um, we also have another high producing listing agent and we run most of our seller clients. And then on the buy side, we have three buyers agents over there producing right now. And operationally, we have two licensed, um, well, one licensed, one soon to be licensed assistant. And our director of operations runs um, our virtual assistant, which kind of does a lot of the back end tasks and things. We have someone in charge of marketing and lead generation that really helps support our agents, make the most out of their um, generation efforts and support the business and growth. And then we have Sarah, who is our admin, who's kind of like a catch all. So she does some social media. She does running the listings, kind of like 
whatever we need her to do. She's really in a role and just kind of picking up and running with whatever we have going that week. So that's our structure. Have you, um, so you've got five licensed agents, is that correct? Mm -hmm. right out working in the field five producers yeah total of yeah. about 10 teammates five producers yeah are you guys Jonathan does all the business development meaning he's meeting with agents he helps with recruitment he meets with vendors and maintains vendor relationships and sources at kind of a higher level Excellent. we always call him the, the hype man for the business so <laughs> the hype man so are you rachel you're the lead listing agent are you so you're actually in operations you're working with clients at not as high of a level as I used to. So we welcomed our two children um, in 2021 and 2022. So my whole vision was to build a business and I gave myself a five-year runway to do that so that I could have leverage in order to be a mom. And Good so that came to fruition about five years right after we started. And uh, yeah, it's been great. So listing-wise, I do not do the majority of the listings. One of our listing agents did like 47 units last year. Um, I did about 16. So really that leadership level in the business. Cool. So now, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying? I just said amongst market changes, like, you know, you adapt your role and you jump back in where needed and things like that. So we've been right. navigating the last you know, three or four months. So Jonathan, what are you doing for lead gen right now? I know that's been a big hot point in the market with Zillow Flex and Op City. Everyone's charging big referral fees and then Effective Agent and Fast Expert, all these companies that are trying to be the center of attention to, to attract buyers and sellers to them to refer back to agents. What are you guys doing right now for lead generation? Our primary lead generation sources are past clients, Sphere, and agent-to-agent -agent referrals. Okay. So we're very fortunate that we've always took the approach of building a business and always wanted to be independent of, um, I guess, a, a control, like, like a lead source, right? Yeah. So we didn't want to buy leads. And so our business is built through relationships. So we work our database, our touch plans. Um, we're not afraid of the phone. Our agents and myself will do everything from networking to a FISBO call to certainly past client calls, past client events, open houses. I mean, we really will, we really stick to the fundamentals. That's fantastic. I paid for Zillow for quite a long time, but um, our business is mostly uh, relationships as well. So looking at your sphere and your past clients, what do you guys have in place? Because it's important, most real estate agents, the main reason they 87% failed before their five-year anniversary is because they don't ever realize that their, their relationships are the currency of their business. What are you guys doing uh, systematically to make sure that your people uh, don't forget about you, considering the fact that they all have Instagram and TikTok as well, and every real estate agent um, is on there doing that kind of stuff. It's very It's so much harder now to have someone remember you. Another stat... 92%, according to the NAR, of uh, home buyers and sellers say that they will use their same agent again. But do you know what the, the real statistic is on the percentage that actually do? Exactly. Correctly. 13%. And it's not because they changed their mind. It's because they just didn't forget about it. They just forgot about you. So it's yeah. no like trust is great. But if remember is not on the end, then none of it matters. Yeah. So what are you guys doing? Yeah, so it's really interesting. The last couple of years, we've moved so fast in this market and opportunity was kind of falling from the sky. And when we got into real estate in 2015, 2016, you know, we were working with a lot of first time home buyers. And that was 
we were weighted more on the buyer side than the seller side, just based on our natural demographic, how we were building the business through our sphere, through our relationships. And uniquely, the last couple of years, those clients that moved into their first house were able to move again. So instead of waiting five, seven, 10 years to move, they sold within two to three years. And so we had a whole influx of that opportunity. So it wasn't long enough for them to really forget us, which was great. And we realized the last couple of years, the percentage of our business coming from our database actually dropped because we were running with the market rather than intentionally lead generating with it. And so that was an aha for me. So we hired our marketing and lead gen director um, quarter two of last year. And his whole role was to help redefine our structure around our database and our lead generation. And so getting back into what is our our intentional touches with our database, how are we diversifying our touches, how are we adding value, and bringing back client events, which we used to do pre-pandemic. And so we are on that pathway. We have monthly newsletters. We have monthly home valuation alerts for our clients. We do two client events a year. We do quarterly calls to all of our past clients. And then we're always a resource for them. So we'll have clients reach out for, you know, different various you know, if they're making home improvements and they need resources, different things like that, but constant communication and knowing that the touch plans have to increase in order to stay top of mind because there are so many different variations through, like you said, social media, or they're just getting spammed with a lot of information. Sure. The average person is spending what, like six hours to seven hours a day on their phone. Now the screen time is out of control. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. So um, what do your client events look like? So we have two a year. We last year, what we did is we did a zoo day. So we were like a front booth. Yeah. And we, I like to kind of give the clients autonomy. So we were really the meet and greet, welcoming them them to zoo day, gave them like a water bottle, some tchotchkes, things like that. Took photos with them, just really giving them a great day to get out of the house and have fun on us. Like the Columbus Zoo? Yep. Columbus Zoo. And it was a beautiful, you always gamble yeah. on the weather. So we usually do one going into summer, kind of like mm-hmm. a spring kickoff, summer kickoff. And then we do one rounding out the end of the year. So we do a movie event in December um, that's family friendly and invite everybody to a movie on us. Okay. So they're both pretty family kid friendly events. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause our demographics evolved. A lot of people we've had got to watch, you know, have kids or get married or grow their family and different things like that. So it's pretty yeah. universal. Your uh, newsletter, is that an email newsletter or is it snail mail? Yep. yep, email newsletter. And we get this a lot. People get hung up on, you know, what do I put in my newsletter? What's going to be valuable? It's less about what's in the newsletter and it's more about them just seeing your name. Yeah, eyeballs. Showing up. Do you do anything via the regular mail? Uh, we do save the dates, some mailers. Um, depending on how long our clients have been in a house, we've been doing, you know, CMA packets, things like that, knowing the Mm -hmm. probability of a move might be coming. So we kind of got away from mail because it's less impactful and it's not how people receive information anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Although we've gotten back into snail mail. My newsletter now is through the mail just because nobody's doing it. And we just started- Well, it depends on your target demographic. So we we have a farm, a geographical farm and the demographic of that um, is still very male friendly. Yeah. So we, we do just, mail there. We just started doing a um, demographic mail as well. Uh, or what am I saying? Uh, farming. We've got 1,600 yeah, some people in uh, in a farm in Stowe, Ohio now. So we just started yeah. doing that because that's still, people still read their mail. So looking back, um, obviously you guys have been team team driven all the way through. You you didn't evolve into a team. You, you 
consciously said we would like to have this be a business, which I think is fantastic. But looking back over your time doing this, since you're both very process driven, are there are there any mistakes that you made that you would have corrected had you known back then or, or any way that you've grown or things that you've done that didn't that you'd probably do different or when it comes to recruiting or anything like that? I think what I'm learning, Will, now is I would have built more agent relationships in the beginning. I think um, my personality, I was driven to be productive and I didn't see the need when I was out there looking for it, you know, the next deal, right? And so now where we would hire out of necessity versus strategy, we had an inflow of leads or whatever the case may have been, um, that's tough. That that stresses your systems and your and your people. So right now the mistake is I, I would have been more gracious and generous building agent relationships just to have a better bench, right? To have a better reputation for among, among my peers. We have a phenomenal reputation in the market and we have a great reputation among our peers. But as a team, I you know would have gotten to know people on a, on a much more personal basis and um I think it would have helped now. So where we are today, it's a little bit different. But looking back, we I did not do enough of that. And that was a mistake that I realized in hindsight. I think we forget that it's actually agent attraction. You know, it's not just recruiting. And like you said, if right. you're just recruiting to fill holes because you've got too many leads, you tend to take people on that may end up uh, not being a good fit for the team. Reactionary. Yeah, exactly. we learned that one. Yeah. And then they don't fit in or whatever. You don't think about, um, you know, what their needs are. So at this stage, then when you're, are you, are you guys trying to grow your team? Or are you happy with where it is size wise? We're always trying to grow. Yeah. We are not um, plateaued type people. So we don't like to just stay where we are. We're, and it's really a responsibility to our people because the people that are part of our organization, they have goals to grow as well. So we have to provide a pathway for them to grow within our company. I interviewed um, Ibrahim Hussein. He he had the he had the top KW team in Canada. He's only thirty four. He he became number one in three in four years from the time he started to the time he became number one in Canada, yeah. which is four years. And what he had said, because I've never had a lot of agents, and he's got about fifty. He said that the you you have to focus on what your culture is and what your vibe is to so that you know if somebody's going to fit into that or not. And you also yeah. have to know what what it is they want out of their career. And I think a lot of us we're just trying to recruit for numbers or to handle leads, and we're not thinking we're not thinking about how how are we going to plug them into this team and how are we going to get the most out of them and how will they impact others are you finding that now that you're in the people business and not in the house business what are you seeing like what are some things you tell other agents who are trying to grow a team so i think the hardest thing about growing or being a leader and, and growing a team is we always see the potential in people <laughs> and um, that was our big aha these last couple of years is you know we we meet these great people we see a ton of potential in them and they don't pan out because at the end of the day, we can't make someone live up to their potential. So really as leaders saying, okay, 
who are these people today? Because this is probably who they're going to continue to be. Correct. And what does that look like? So now we're having conversations and really challenging ourselves to say, okay, who are they actually, rather than who we want them to be or who we think that they can be or the potential of that. And there's opportunity for development. And we've had some great success developing people, but they have to have it within them first. And as leaders, that's the biggest aha when we're attracting people to our organization and having conversations is knowing who we are culturally defined, what our standards are, and who's going to fit into that to the organization. We are you know, we don't have 50 agents. We have five right. producers. So everybody is an impact and we have oh, yeah. high functioning sales agents and high level of professionalism in our team. So knowing what we stand for, know it's not going to be a fit for everybody and looking for the right people. One agent, one human being can take down your whole team. Mm -hmm. They can either help it do better or take it down. And I was listening to an NFL player yesterday on a podcast, and he said that no matter who you meet, you're meeting their representative. You never see the first, their right. real person at the beginning, and uh, you meet their representative, and the representative disappears after about three or four months, and then you're left with the real person. And it's very hard when you're in the human business as a team leader to know what you're getting. So I guess I've found that you just, like if they're 35 years old and they're at this place where it's stagnant, then they're probably going to remain doing that if they're not on an upwardly yeah. moving trajectory. My coach says you can't take a duck to Eagle school. <laughs> so, Will, one thing that we've learned, and I like the sports reference, right, because there's some players that may be average in a specific system or a specific environment, and then they may switch teams and they may excel, right? And we have found that we identify patterns these days versus potential. And so if somebody was an achiever, maybe in school, or they were the rookie of the year in a job, or if they were top of their class, if they were an achiever in other parts of their life, mm -hmm. then they will more than likely, if they, if they enjoy you know, real estate, once they get into it, they're going to find a way to achieve. And we create an environment that is going to accelerate and support that. Vice versa, if they're great at interviewing and they don't have the patterns in their past that we know make people in our world a good fit because that's what it is it's a fit yeah. then they may say things like well yeah i you know I, I i need structure and if i ask them to give me examples and there's no structure they're not going to be structured just to be a part of millennium group right they no. may say well i i want to lead generate but if they don't have a track record of maybe working with you know, networking or friends or family, and they're not going to just lead generate to be a part of our team. They're going to do it for three or four months, like you mentioned, yeah. and then it's going to be a bad fit. But yeah, we try to uncover some of the patterns because essentially that's going to be more along the lines of where people default versus the potential or what they say. Um, so it doesn't matter what they say. I found it doesn't matter. I had a guy come into my join. He joined my team perfectly put together and um, Akins knows him. This guy's perfectly put together, said he wants to make $300,000 a year. He actually sold no homes. So he, he said he wanted to make $300,000 a year selling homes. And in six months, he actually sold none. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I use him as a baseline. Like, what could I have asked differently? Well, the one thing was he was living with his parents. 
Not that there's anything wrong with that, but he was 35 years old living with his parents, not because he had a setback, financial or health, but just because that's what he did. And I never, I just went straight on his appearance and I hired the representative. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're that, learning a lot. A yeah, lot you way. learned, right? I mean, your awareness is now sharper. Right. You learned. I think you, you, you made a really good point. You think about other things, like have they run a marathon? Did they do a triathlon? Did they learn an instrument? Did they finish college? Did they, you know, if they if they show strengths that they can start and finish a project or uh, start something new and actually complete it. Those are really good signs because the only way that you're successful in our business is by doing uncomfortable things, which is talking to strangers about things that you don't want to talk about, right? Them buying or selling homes. And uh, if people aren't willing to do that, they rarely do well. Correct. And if they just, their representative shows up really well. Right we're not a good fit for them, right? Like it doesn't do them any good to come into our environment if it's not a transparent like fit. It yeah. is just going to chew them up and spit them out. Yeah, and that's also exposed. not fair to our team. Oh yeah, because they'd be not fair they to become our team. resentful, right? If you've got a smaller team, they become resentful when you bring somebody else in and they're like, wait, they don't come to the meetings or they're not selling houses or they're not prospecting or they have they make excuses. That's typically how it presents itself. And then other then you might have somebody else that starts questioning whether or not they want to be on your team because they don't they feel like you're not being judicious and bringing in the right people. Correct. There's no level of hypocrisy. No, I agree 100 percent. That's that's really good. So um, going forward, do you have like specific goals in terms of getting to 10 agents or 15 or are you just kind of growing organically? I mean, we always have goals and we always have visions and most of it is growing beyond ourselves. What that looks like tends to adapt and change. I think that's the challenge of being a leader in this industry is it's constantly changing. And so your perspective has to change or you you learn something new and it changes the way that you're thinking about how your business is structured. So we are a very much quality-based business, quality of service, quality of representation, quality of people, quality of professionalism. And so those are the ones that are a good fit for us. We are, our agents are high producers. So I don't want a bunch of agents that are selling five houses a year. That doesn't, that's not what we stand for. So knowing who you are helps us identify who we're looking for. And focusing on that quality-based business through and through is really important to us. Well, and naturally you, grow. You're going to have an outcome of success if you constantly focus on that. What I'm really good at is adapting quickly. Like, you know, we might've drugged someone along a lot longer in the beginning than we would now. So getting really good at that onboarding process and that exit conversation, if it's not a good fit. Well, and it's so exciting. It's exciting that you guys have been able to figure all this out and still in your thirties, you've got like this whole career (laughs) ahead of you that you're going to hopefully trust me. I'm 54 and I was, I got licensed when I was 19. So it, it seems like it's at the end of the path now, but you've got a long career ahead of you you as long as health cooperates. So my favorite real estate question one to 10, how would you rate one being the absolute worst, which you're not a one, 10 the best, where would you rate your, uh, your, your team right now or your business in general? Is it generic to say seven? I was six, so, yeah. but I tend to be the more critical one. So that makes sense. And what do you think would bump that up? Like, what do you guys need to, to change or, or tweak so that you could add a point or two to that? 
So I really think it's the agent recruitment piece. Like how can we bring in some additional talent this, this year and bring some fresh energy to our organization? And then as the market changed the last six months, it's really where we're reevaluating different opportunities of how we're going to structure and grow in the future. So we're kind of in that adaption phase mm -hmm. for future growth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Specifically, when you say adapt, what, did, what does that look like on the ground? So reevaluating our P&L, how we're operating. Like we actually have enough time now to slow down enough to say, okay, how are we operating? What are our systems? What does the P&L look like? Where can we shift expenses? Where can we eliminate expenses? Um, you know, what is the vision of how we're going to grow and the value we're going to offer to the agent community to be a part of Millennium Group in the future? So that's those are the things that I'm thinking about. Are you guys trying to um, put things in place that make agents want to be on your team? And if so, yeah. what, is that, what does that look like? Because it's not just houses anymore and clients. Right. It's really what value we can provide to them and knowing that we're not going to be the right fit for everybody. So how we've operated and how we found success in that fundamental level of organically generation, building a sustainable business over time. Um, we're not just to pay for a bunch of leads and keep agents on the phone without selling houses. That's not our, our gig. So creating our identity in that as well has been part of the process. So mm -hmm. specifically, Will, is, you know, most of the time agents are looking for leverage or leadership and room to grow. So we're trying to create better support on the leverage side these days, transaction to, you know, management, those types of things are more or less an expectation, right? right? Yeah. So what are we doing to accelerate the agent's business and maximize their opportunities if that's going from a 36 touch plan on their database to a 50 to a 60 to an 80 touch plan? If that is increasing um, lead generation opportunities, if that is getting them involved in coaching, if that is getting them out of the bubble to you know grow their mindset, leadership opportunities, training opportunities, um, there brokerage okay. opportunities. There you go. So we're really just trying to push our lid so they can make more money with less headache in a shorter amount of time. And then on the other side, because we are such a development driven, and it's not real estate, they are trained on, on being a professional. Yep. These are qualities and characteristics that if they change careers, with, you know, communication, yeah. networking, feedback, sales, script. I mean, all conflict of these management. things. Yeah. yeah. Conflict management and resolution. That's such a good one. All of these things they're going to be able to take with them wherever they go. And we care about their well-being, right? We care about their insurance. We care about their family. We care about their investments. We try to grow a well-rounded quality individual. Yeah. We donate every quarter. So everybody gets to choose a charity of their you know, their choice. It's a round robin. So, you know, and then we move that stuff, right? So if we do a quarter of giving and somebody chooses a charity, every closing gets a certain dollar amount associated to it. And then every client gets a card and then we do a video. So it's all like this wow. lifestyle type, everything is webbed and merged together to create a reverberation of who we are and what we believe and how it helps our clients and our agents. That's fantastic. So it's not about just bringing agents on. You're trying to actually have them, if they choose to leave you at some point, hopefully they won't, they're a better person for it or from- They will leave us and that's okay. You. And yeah. we've always, we have always believed, we hope in our efforts, leave them better than we found them. That's fantastic. So 
looking forward 2023 um tell us your prediction what do you i know you, you don't have a huge window because you came in in 15 and we've had an upwardly moving market since probably 2012 um so th this is the first setback that you've uh, like adjustment down that you've seen what do you guys think 2023 is going to look like uh in your market i know all markets are uh, are uh localized but what what do you what do you think yeah so it's interesting so i got in real estate in 2015 and you know i know the market was healthier than it was before but i remember having listings for six months i remember having to negotiate an extension for that listing agreement i remember begging a buyer's agent to just show the house and write anything in an offer like <laughs> please god give me an offer just give um, me an offer yeah I'll, at least i can start the conversation right so that's where i'm really tapping into the front lines with the agents because a lot of our agents are under four years in the business right. and so they don't have that experience or they can't even dust that off to remember what that maybe felt like or looked like so helping them navigate those conversations with their clients setting expectations around inspections and remedies and all of those things but forecasting into 2023 i think everybody if you follow the mrea or whatever model you follow you're tightening your expenses you're getting back to lead generation we have lead generated more in the last three months than we have in the last three years collectively as a team, day in and day out with intention. And I, I've been saying this lately, we're not in the short game. This isn't make a phone call, show a house, sell a house. Like this is a long game. So boomerangs from March of last year are starting to show up in our pipeline again. You know, it's not turning in a month or two. We're talking building relationships over time until it's ready to move. And we've always had the saying of we're in the relationship business until it becomes a real estate conversation. And those things are usually life impacted. People move when life moves them. And that's the market we're in now. Not because money's cheap, not because it's easy to move, not because they know if they buy that house, their house is going to sell in a weekend and they have financial confidence in that. Mm -hmm. We are in a real estate advisor role and right. we're in the long game. So we're just staying the course. We're focusing on the activity. We're helping our agents sharpen their conversations. How are they asking questions? We did an exercise yesterday where we went through each agent's database, how many people they had in it, ran the ratios of how much opportunity is in it, and then said, okay, where is our gap? What conversations are we having? Are we calling to say, hey, friend, how you doing? Or are we calling to say, hey, I am Rachel, the realtor today. I'm looking for a referral. Or, you know, what is our messaging, right? Asking for what you want in your business. By the way, the second one never works. In case ever... <laughs> yeah. You know, so asking for what you want intentionally in your business rather than being passive and really coming off as the professional in real estate, educating our database and being there for their questions or their insecurities and getting back to the long game. So projection wise, I would assume we'll probably end the year around 150-ish units, somewhere between 50 and 60 million again. We see the downturn as an opportunity. I think that we've always been waiting for it to show up. We see it as an opportunity to capture market share and for our agents to oh, yeah. build their businesses. So we're excited for it. Um, we're we're attacking it proactively and head on. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Every uh, every time, and I I think I've been through five or six. Every time we have a, a crunch in the market where the number of transactions drops, mm -hmm. the, the part-time agents aren't impacted because they have another job or they have a spouse who has a job. 
and the agents like us aren't attract aren't impacted that much because if because if you go from 50 million to 30 million you're still going to be fine right you yeah. still make or if you're a solo agent and your income goes from 200,000 to 150 you're still going to be okay unless you're buried in debt right the agents that are in the in that 30 to 70,000 dollar income that need that income and the paychecks are getting farther apart. They mm. are now running into tax time and they've spent their tax money. They are in a window where they can replace that income with a job because the underlying economy is good. And every time we've ever had a crunch like this and we see a number of transactions drop, there's a disproportional number of realtors that leave the business when compared to the number of transact the percentage of transaction drops. So in the housing, like in our market in 09, we lost half the realtors, but only 20% of the transactions. Yeah. So the agents who were left made more, they were elevated to a level of production that they'd never seen before. Um, and they stayed there. And that's, that's what you can be communicating to your team, because if they're out uh, shaking the bushes, building relationships, maintaining relationships, while these other agents are stressed about finances and leaving the business, those sales are still going to be there. The, the, the market moves whether or not we care. It, it's it's yeah. it's predictable. Um, so that's the part. I don't like it that these people get out of the business. They're just going to get another job. My wife, my wife says that all of the people that got out of the service business got into real estate. That's why we, there was such a shortage. But now they're going to start going back. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really appreciate it. What's true? It's an easy, it's a low barrier of entry getting into our business. And you think of all the people in, you know, 2020, they got out of uh, serving, they got out of being a bartender. They Yeah, we added 3,000 agents to our MLS. Right. In Ohio, we went from 36 to 50,000 agents and in a, in a good economy. So the people that got in were in cell phone sales. They were in uh, the retail, hospitality, retail, and bartenders, service. And now as things crunch and they still need that 50, 60,000 income, they they shift back into what they knew, which is that world. So I think we're going to see people, we're going to start seeing a lot more staff at these restaurants and bars and it's going to get back to normal and your business is going to go up because of it. That's what happens. And then the big, big teams that are transactional, they are going to get hurt a lot. Because they've got huge fixed costs, yeah. Lead gen, uh, and they've got Zillow Flex and everything else. So, anyway, yeah, and we've just like stayed the course. Great. We've stayed the course. We bought it organically, and I think the one thing that we're doing really well with our agent team is we are teaching them how to run a business. It's awesome. We are investing in them as business owners. So, what is their data? What is their sales pipeline? What is the predictability of potential income? We've been talking them within the last two, three years about saving money, putting things away, setting up your retirement, investing in real estate. So all of our agents are financially secure. So important. Which is huge because they don't come into work every day out of scarcity. Like yeah. they have, you know, and they're not Abundance. compromising their ethics. They're not compromising the service to their clients mm -hmm. because we've built them up to a place of strength so that they can weather any market changes. And then locally, to answer your more specific question, Columbus is unique that way. We have very little homes on the market. Buyers are jumping back in the first of the year because the initial shock of interest rates has subsided. Um, it's kind of the new normal of this is what it is if you want to own a home. And so it's a really tight market right now. We're starting to see the competitiveness come back, you know, into the house very quickly, writing the offer very quickly, being aggressive in those offers. 
Now, how long that will last, I don't know. Are we riding off of pent-up demand or is this what the year is going to look like? That's to be determined. And we're growing as a city. We have a, a lot of Intel's coming in. There's Amazon's here. FedEx is here. There's financial You've got so many here. opportunities in Columbus. It's so diverse. So hmm. the growth, I think, will keep us healthy in the market. And, you know, 2023 projections still to be determined. I think what we're feeling now is probably not going to be what the rest of the year is looking like once things shake out. I think that um, I think we have a real market now. If buyers are coming, we're seeing multiple offers. If buyers are uh, moving with a 6% interest rate, no lender subsidies, uh, competing with other buyers, and they're still willing to pay more, that is a real underlying healthy market. For, built on the six normal triggers, which is what? Birth, death, divorce, relocation, downsizing, and first-time home buyers. That's what the entire housing market is typically built on. And those people move. It doesn't matter what the rates are. And human beings are predictable. They pull back because they don't want to be a chump. Then when they realize that it's normal, then they jump back in. It happened with gas prices, truck purchases when they slumped, when gas hit four bucks. Then the sales went straight back to where they were when it settled at 350. That's just how humans are. And we, I think we're at the end of that window where people are kind of holding back and, and there's still... There's still this underlying demand and these people that couldn't buy um, that right. before selling, now they're going to be able to, as things slow down a little bit, we're going to see all those come out. I think that we're yeah. going to see a good, I think it's going to be a good market this year. Yeah. And I think we're, we're excited for whatever it brings. And when we'll you guys are prepared out. for it. Yeah. So. We'll figure it out. Well, listen, so. thanks for being on this uh, with me. I think it's very helpful, especially anyone who's looking to grow a team. You got to, you got to figure out how to make people better by coming on your team. It can't just be about you wanting to be a pimp and have a bunch of hookers. Um, and it sounds like you guys have, you guys have done it right. Thank you. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Will. all right. Appreciate thanks for it. coming on. You guys have a great day. You guys Thank keep you. listening to our podcast. We'll continue to bring amazing agents like Rachel and Jonathan and uh, please like, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Building Stronger Agents podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review and share our podcast with your friends.